This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Something we all struggle with is striking that counterbalance between thriving professionally and thriving personally. For many of us listening to this show, it's easy to focus on the professional side, our job, the business, our finances overall. And it's easy to sometimes lose sight of the personal priorities, whether they be your spirituality, your physical health, your personal life, your key relationships. The interesting thing is your professional priorities are rubber balls. If you drop them, they bounce back. But those personal priorities, many of them are like glass balls. And if you drop them, they can be scuffed or shattered. So how do we go about doing a better job of being purposeful in both areas of our life? That's the purpose of... The person you're going to meet today has been a friend of mine since childhood. We grew up together. We went to the same schools. And since going our separate ways for college, he's gone on to have an amazing career. Out of school, he went to work for McKinsey, which is one of the huge management consulting firms, went into private equity, and ultimately got put in the position where now he is the COO of Topgolf, which many of you are familiar with that organization. It's a massive organization. And he started a family. He and his wife have three beautiful boys. And he became really clear that while, yes, he wants to continue thriving professionally, the areas that matter most to him is the personal side. And so instead of acting entrepreneurially and just trying to figure it out, he started to leverage an amazing network that he already had. He started reaching out to people who were both thriving professionally and also were crushing it as parents and started seeking advice from them. He gathered letters from 42 individuals and put them into a brand new book called The Dad Advice Project. And while the title says The Dad Advice Project, this applies to you whether you are a father or a mother. It's all about simple things you can do to be a better parent and invest in the relationships that matter most. I personally got something out of this conversation today. You will hear at the end of the episode an audio clip from my daughter, Daphne. We already have a ritual of doing gratitude every night, but Craig gave me a suggestion that he got from one of these people about how not only to help reinforce the idea of gratitude, but to also help build their confidence and their public speaking at the same time. So I literally had Daphne stand on top of a chair, introduce herself and give a public speech to the family about what she was grateful for. I recorded that and you'll hear that at the end of this episode. If you'd like to learn more about Craig's new book called The Dad Advice Project, you can go to dadadviceproject.com. And if you do choose to purchase the book, if you send a copy of the receipt, or if you leave a review on Amazon and take a screenshot and email it to gift at dadadviceproject.com. Craig's going to send you an email. He actually had about 30 of the people who were featured in the book over to his house. They had a film crew there. They recorded all these videos with them giving you very tactical advice that you can put into action immediately. He'll send all that to you via email if you send a copy of your receipt or review to gift at dadadviceproject.com. With that, let's get into this conversation with my childhood friend, Craig Kessler. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen 
They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Craig, what was going on in your life that ultimately made you realize that I need to be more purposeful as a dad and a parent? Well, first of all, Jeff, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, It's a total honor and uh, I'm excited to be here. I I think in the spirit of being vulnerable, because in order to be a really good dad, sometimes being vulnerable helps. I'm going to do that if that's okay with you. And to, to answer your question... You know, I don't have the closest relationship in the world with my dad. And for me, that's been a huge void as I've raised our three boys who are one, three, and five. And I think recognizing that was a bit of a gap and a void uh, next to you know the challenges of, of raising three kids and also the beauty and the joy of raising three kids uh, led me to this place of asking a handful of buddies to write me a letter on, on how to be a good dad. Hmm. What'd they say? Their responses ran the gamut. One guy wrote me a David Letterman style top 10 list with advice that was funny and thoughtful. Uh, Another buddy wrote a letter to his then three or four year old son that he shared with me. And and a couple of guys wrote essays and uh, very excited to unpack with you all the advice that I gleaned uh, and lessons I gleaned from their stories. Yeah. So let's go back in time. You, I remember when you graduated uh, from Georgetown, you went to work for McKinsey. Yep. And you know that the lifestyle of a consultant is not necessarily conducive to the lifestyle of a family man or a family woman. You, you go and you get into private equity. Was there ever a point when you looked up and realized that, hey, maybe I need to make a change here? Y- yes and no. I, I want to answer that. I think really thought-provoking question with a quick story. Uh, Before I graduated from uh, school, I remember the dean of the school hosting an event with his wife and several other couples. And the spirit of the event was to talk about effectively how to have it all, how to be a good spouse, how to be a good parent, and how to be good professionally. And the dean's wife told this incredible story. She was a physician. She had, I think, twin seven-year-old daughters, and she felt like she was missing out on her her daughters' lives. And so she comes home one night uh, from work, and she says, girls, guess what? Mommy's got great news. I said, what's that, mom? She said, mom quit her job so that she can spend more time with you and be a bigger part of your childhood. And her daughter started crying. And it was not the uh, reaction she was looking for. These were not tears of happiness, by the way. These were tears of sadness. And the daughter said to their mom, but mom, you love your job. And we love hearing your stories about your job. And the dean chimed in and he said, look, the point is this. Kids are not born with a sense of normalcy. You create it for them. And they're unbelievably resilient. 
So to go back to your question, yes, working in consulting and private equity and even the job I'm in now may not be conducive to spending eight hours a day with my wife and kids. But the time we do have together, we're incredibly intentional about. And we found a way to get our kids to be a part of our careers. And it, it seems to be working for us. What was the moment when you realized you can't do this by default? You have to start doing it by design. I think it occurred to me when I joined an organization called YPO, Mm -hmm. Young Presidents Organization, and I listened to the the stories that my chapter and forum mates shared with me. And, And it's fascinating because all of them talk about the real struggles that they've had being good spouses and raising their kids. And listening to that, I think the first time I heard these stories... We had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And for me, it was an unbelievably cautionary tale. If I'm not intentional about how I go through this journey, man, this journey is going to take over and I may look back and not be very happy with the outcome. What did you start doing? Were you at Topgolf at this point already? I was at Topgolf. Okay. What did I start doing? I started doing a few things. One, I started asking a lot of questions of guys I looked up to. Mm What did you do right? What'd you do wrong? If you had to give you know, your 35 or at the time 33-year-old self-advice, what would you have done differently? Uh, I started being even more proactive about protecting date nights. We had a standing babysitter every Thursday night, no matter the circumstances. And my wife and I would try and protect that time and, and make it ours. I tried, even if it was only for 30 minutes a night to quite literally put the phone away to be with my kids. This is a very tactical thing, but I started at night plugging the phone in either downstairs or in my bathroom as opposed to next to my bed so that I didn't go from... Well, as most people do, the the last thing they do and the first thing they do is they check email or text messages or read the news. Mm -hmm. Certainly not a healthy way to live life. And it's been amazing to see how that small life hack has made a difference in our relationships at home. I'm curious how you've gone about setting expectations with your people. I mean, your your business is a behemoth and the demands are probably 24-7, I've got to imagine. How do you as a leader though, start to set the expectations where you actually can put your phone in the bathroom or downstairs? This may sound trite, but it it takes an unbelievable team to do what we do at Topgolf. And this team is... It's actually more of a family than a team. And when you have that level of trust to be able to call your teammates family members, mm-hmm. it opens up so much potential because now I can say to someone on my team, hey, I'm going offline for the next two hours. And if anything happens, you're on point. And eventually you start to establish ways of working with the team where people learn we have to cover for one another so that we can live a good life. And I think in a lot of companies, people, there's a culture where it's, taboo to say that. I'm putting my phone away for two hours. I need you to cover for me. But when you get to a place where teammates feel psychologically safe Mm. to be able to do that, oh my God, unbelievable things happen. Yeah. I I heard you say that you you have date nights on Thursday and you protect it at all costs. Has there ever been a time where that was challenged, yet you still protected it? 
I'm not I'm not batting a thousand when it comes to uh, to, to protecting. But yeah, look, there, there are times where we've gone through real change or transition at work, and they were mo- there were moments of volatility where it would have been very easy for me to say, you know, this situation requires me to cancel a vacation in order to be there for something at work. And let's be real, there will always be times where something absolutely mission critical comes up. But but what I've learned is that those situations that appear risky, 99 out of 100 times are a lot less risky than you think. Mm. And by the way, if you take these uh, situations that cause anxiety all the way to their logical conclusion, and you ask yourself, you know what, if we drop the ball here, what's the worst that can happen? You start to eventually realize, maybe I can protect that time because things will be okay. This is one of the biggest ahas that I've I've heard people have when they read one thing. There's this there's this image on page one fourteen of the seven circles. You know the seven areas of your life: your spirituality, your physical health, your your personal life, your key relationships, your job, your business, your finances. And they refer to as job, business, and finances as rubber balls. Okay, balls that if you drop them, they do bounce back. Yeah. But when you look at spirituality, physical health, personal life, and key relationships, they're glass balls. You drop those, they can be scuffed or shattered. Totally. And I like how you say, what's the worst that can happen? Oftentimes when it's the business stuff, it's like, eh, it'll bounce back. We'll pick it back up. But what happens if you drop your marriage? What happens if you drop the relationship with your kids? What happens if you drop your health? Yet it's easier to prioritize the things that aren't actually as important. That's right. I totally agree. When we come back, we're going to dive into Craig's new book, The Dad Advice Project, and some of the amazing advice that he was given that helped him become a better parent and ultimately inspired him to write the book. So Craig, what ultimately inspired you to write The Dad Advice Project? You know, I mentioned earlier that I had asked a handful of friends to write me a letter on how to be a good dad, and what I got back was inspiring. When the pandemic hit, On a a personal note, a lot of my creative outlet at work disappeared. The job became about how do we close down Top Golfs and then reopen them in an orderly fashion while maintaining the trust of all of our guests and our nearly twenty thousand associates. And so, occasionally, you know, neighbors would gather in the front yard for a socially distanced beer, and we, you know, talk about the world around us. And I started telling them about these letters I'd gotten from friends. And one by one, folks would naturally ask, hey, can I, can I read what your buddies wrote? And the answer was, no, not really, because it, it's not meant for public consumption. But if you write me a letter, maybe we can find a way to have all the guys who are a part of this project share with one another. And this thing just spiraled. The letters started coming in. I ended up with over 42 letters. And uh, with the encouragement of a couple of friends, we decided to, to turn this into a book called The Dad Advice Project. What were some of the things that you kept hearing over and over and over again that made some of the biggest impact for them? I would say there are three or four pieces of advice that came up constantly. The, The number one piece of advice is that kids need to feel a sense of physical and psychological safety. Whatever you can do to make your kids realize making mistakes is okay. Uh, It's okay to not be the best at something, to make sure they feel at night before they go to bed, like they are physically going to be okay. All of those things matter enormously and they're foundational for, for, uh, for children. The second most common piece of advice is to, to love your wife and make sure your kids see it. 
And dad after dad talks about how their children have learned to respect women based on how they treat their wives. Uh, And by the way, we talk about this in our house all the time. We love our kids. They're incredibly important to us. But numero uno in the Kessler household is my wife, Nicole. Mm. And we, we actively also talk about that with our children. So that was a piece of advice that that also came up uh, quite quite a bit. I love that. Yeah, every year, my partner, Jay, and I, we facilitate a couple's goal-setting retreat. And one of the exercises that we have people do is identify the roles that they play. Like you play the role of being husband, father, executive, employee, and golfer. Like the, We could start going down the list of the things that describe Craig, but then you have to list them in order of priority. And people ultimately get hung up first. Am I a mother or am I a wife? Am I a husband or am I a father? And um, this is not me suggesting what your answer should be for the person who's listening to this. But Jay and I both realized in order for us to be the best parents to our children, we had to be the best spouse to our partner. You know, it's fascinating. When we had our first kid, I, I asked, I don't know, 20 or 30 working women... I don't know why I just did for one piece of advice on how to be a good parent. Mm-hmm. And they, I would boil down what I learned to three things. The first babies don't break. So chill out. If they get skin <laughs> knees, you get it. They eat dirt. They'll be okay. The, the second piece of advice was to try and be present because you might only get to do this once and you really don't want to waste the time. And then the third piece of advice, which I love, and I think it gets to our conversation around identity and and being a good spouse, is that what works for your family may not work for another and vice versa. So don't judge. And maybe in return, you also won't be judged. And I do think being a parent is a, at times, especially for new parents, a, a stage of life that can create all sorts of insecurity. What are my next door neighbors doing? What are the parents of the kids on my son's soccer team doing? That is a very, very dangerous rabbit hole to go down. But if you adopt the mindset of we're going to do what works for our family, amazing things will come of it. I love that. What other unique pieces of advice come from your book? Yeah. So Jeff, if I had to summarize the book, there were two types of advice that came out. There's the stuff that I heard about a lot. And then there are these one-off kind of idiosyncratic, only one person gave me this advice. But the advice was just so cool and so unique that it's worth sharing. So let me give you two or three examples. Uh, The first example comes from a friend named Rex Curzius. And Rex says, uh, open the door. And what he means by open the door is that we expose our kids to all sorts of things that kids are commonly exposed to, how to play team sports, how to swim, how to do arts and crafts. And when they're in those situations that require those skills, memory recall makes them really comfortable. But when it comes to business, most parents close the door and say to their children, daddy's on a work call, please be quiet, I'll be right back. He said, I've totally taken the opposite approach. And when I'm interviewing someone, if I'm naming a company, the door is wide open and my kids are sitting right next to me. And they now have exposure to the business world at a very young age. And he actually thinks that'll give them a competitive advantage. I think he's right. I'll tell you two more. Josh Redstone, uh, a buddy from Dallas who owns a small business, has this amazing tradition with his kids. 
when they set the table for the occasional family meal that's a little bit more elevated than a normal, say, Tuesday night dinner, the family takes turns going around the table, kids and adults, by the way, one by one, take turns standing on their chair. They have to introduce themselves to the group. My name is Craig. I'm 35 years old. And they have to say one thing that they're grateful for. And what's been amazing as we've adopted this tradition in our house, our three and five-year-old boys, they ask to do this proactively. Their confidence has been built. They've learned to project their voices. But by the way, they're at three and five practicing gratitudes, which all the research shows helps you live a happier life. Mm. And it's just a very, very cool tradition that uh, has, has been with our family now for seven or eight months because of the Redstone family. Can you think of a moment that happened when they were doing this that is just one of those incredible moments? We've laughed and we've cried. I think the, the crying moments are when one of the boys stands up and talks about how you know he's so thankful for mommy and can then articulate why he's thankful for mommy. And it's just mind-blowing to see a three-year-old's mind process these kind of complicated concepts, mm-hmm. but without missing a beat, tell everyone why he loves his mom. And then there are some just unbelievably funny moments, you know, like our five-year-old's thankful for his wiener. Don't know why, <laughs> but he's really thankful he's got a wiener. <laughs> and, 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 we, and we take gratitudes and strides. It's okay to be thankful for mom, and it's okay to be thankful for, uh, for your body parts. So all I good. love that. How have you gone about opening the door with your kids? There's a term that a lot of people use, and I think for them it's aspirational. And for me, it, it's possibly uh, misguided. And the term is work-life balance. Mm. I don't really know what that looks like. What I do know is that work-life integration is a very real thing, right? So for me, I don't have a personal life and a professional life. There intrinsically linked because I love my job. I love my team. And I, when you feel that way about what you're doing, you bring it home with you. You just do. And so what we've done to, to create the integration is we've involved our kids. They come to Top Golf with us all the time on weekends. They know the names of the director of operations who runs the local venue that we visit on weekends. They can tell you what items on the menu they like and they don't like. I ask them for feedback when we play mini golf at Top Golf. Which holes do you think need to be improved? Which ones are fun? And by the way, it's not like they're becoming business savants at one, three, and five, but they're at least being asked a series of questions that get their mind thinking about something other than what they're you know learning about in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I um, when Daphne was four, she's almost eight now. She asked me to start reading her the one thing. And so I started reading it to her and she would listen and she would fall asleep to it. And I'm going, all right, I'm sure this is like sinking in at a subconscious level, but whatever. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You fast forward, I was doing the dishes one day. She looked at me and said, Daddy, come play with me. And I said, I'm doing the dishes right now, honey. And she looked at me and she said, Daddy, I know everything doesn't matter equally. Are the dishes your one thing or am I? <laughs> And not only did I drop the dishes, I dropped my jaw as well. And it was, it was such a shock. It was like, you know what? You're totally right. And you fast forward another year. She's like, Daddy, she was home from school. She's like, Daddy, come play with me. I got meetings the rest of the day. Daddy, 
I know of all those meetings, there's one that's not as important as me. So how can you cancel it so you can come play with me? I canceled the meeting. And it's just so interesting how we sometimes don't give them credit for how smart they really can be. And if we just start teaching them how to think, whether they're one, three, five, seven, how they can actually start showing up and shocking us. You know, it's it's an awesome story and I can relate to it. I think one of the aspects of your story that I love, by the way, is you're not you're not teaching her you're gonna cancel all your meetings, you're gonna cancel a meeting or do one thing that's special together. You know, I think one of my biggest fears is I grew up in a family where we were fine financially, but we didn't have a ton. There wasn't excess. And we've worked really hard as a family to get to an even stronger place now. And part of my fear is that our kids may not be raised with the same fire in their belly that I know you and I had when we were kids growing up in San Diego. And while I do want to give our kids everything in the world that they could possibly want, I'm routinely looking for ways to show them you got to earn it. It's not just handed to you because mommy and daddy can can provide it. Mm. And it's a struggle. I haven't cracked the code, but we actively talk to our kids about, you know, we're on this vacation. And the reason we're on it is because mom and dad worked really hard in order to be able to afford it. Mm. We'll see if it works. When you reflect back on your journey from, you know, just going down the professional path to starting to get really purposeful about asking the people that you're surrounded by, what advice would you give? What are some of those things that you took action on that made everything else easier or unnecessary? You know, it's interesting. If you're sick, you could type your symptoms into WebMD and figure out what's going on. But most people don't do that. They go to a doctor because a doctor has seen 10,000 cases just like yours and has pattern recognition. Hmm. The odd thing about parenting is when we face big dilemmas, we tend to face them for the first time. And so we have almost no pattern recognition. And so one of the things to answer your question I've tried to do to be very intentional is to seek out counsel and wisdom from people who have been through the situations I'm going through many times before. And I think it's a hard thing, particularly for men to do, because we're not always the most vulnerable And we sometimes hold our cards close to the vest and pretend we have all the answers. But what I've learned is that if I'm willing to drop my shoulders, take a deep breath and ask for help, it's amazing how others can help me unlock solutions. Give a sense of who some of the people are in the book that gave you advice. So the the book is a, a collection of 42 submissions from unbelievable people. All of them are close personal friends. They range from college roommates uh, to former work colleagues uh, to a bunch of names that people listening to this podcast will recognize. So I'll give you a few. George Tenet, the CIA director on 9-11 and now the chairman of Allen & Company, wrote the foreword to the book. Uh, He was my professor in college. A couple of really close friends from the golf world wrote beautiful submissions. Davis Love III, Mark Rolfing, Noda Begay. Sam Saunders, Chris Stroud, and Parker McLaughlin. Um, And and then there's just some people who have fascinating business backgrounds, like Dale Petrosky, who is now the head of the Dallas Regional Chamber of Commerce. Before that, ran the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And before that, was assistant press secretary to Ronald Reagan. And I think for anybody who's considering reading the book, what you'll find is that 
there are dads who've been dads for six months and guys who've been dads for 35 years and are now granddads. They come from all walks of life. And so there's something in this for everyone. Yeah. And I've got to imagine that even some of these people who have really interesting resumes, they all have their struggles. They all have the things that they have struggled with when it comes to being a better parent. I have chills just thinking about it. One of the comments one of the guys made after reading the book is that being a dad in a way is an equalizer because none of us have it figured out. We all are trying our best to do the best we can. But whether you're you know, a professional athlete or the owner of a small business or looking for your next employment opportunity, we're, we're kind of all in this together and doing the best we can. Yeah, I love that. What advice would you give to somebody who's a parent listening to this right now? They want to just get started being more purposeful, whether that's as a mom, dad, doesn't matter. Candidly, I'm so new at this. I'm I'm a dad of five years. I'm not sure I'm qualified to give any advice, but if you forced me to give one piece of advice, I I, I think it would just be over-communicate. Over-communicate with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your, your, your parents. Find a way to just open the dialogue. You know, at work, we seek out feedback all the time to get better. And we give feedback to members of our teams in order to build stronger teams. And I, for me, family is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Where are you currently struggling right now as a husband and a father? You're hitting me with the softballs, Jeff. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I actually feel more balance and I don't know, call it serenity than I felt in a long time. That doesn't mean I'm not struggling. I am struggling. I think where I'm struggling is as I think about my future, 5, 10, 15 years from now, the decisions I make today will help set me up for what that path might look like. Mm -hmm. And I have so many passions right now, golf, sports, hospitality. Honestly, this book has become a massive passion of mine. And figuring out how to maximize the potential for when I say success, I really mean happiness over the long run. That's that's weighing very heavily. Um, I, I think the second thing is, and I'm candidly a little bit nervous for this, we're now entering a phase of life where youth sports seem to dictate our social schedule and our lives. And it's it's wonderful now because the five-year-old's the only one in youth sports. So we go as a family to watch games. When we're at a place where we've got three games happening simultaneously on three different fields and only two parents to juggle it, I really have no idea what we're going to do. In fact, there's a beautiful passage in the book written by Sean Bratches. Sean was a senior executive at Formula One and ESPN. And what Sean writes is that we were intentional with our family about uh, skiing. And the reason we became skiers is because we had the chairlifts to ride together and we had the jacuzzi after the ski, the ski runs to look forward to together. And I think one of my, maybe it's subconscious, maybe it's not, but one of my big fears right now is, you know, throughout the book, dads talk about the importance of team sports for their kids. And I'm a little bit afraid that team sports could actually pull us apart as opposed to bringing us together. Hmm. Well, at least you got a good network of people around you that you can seek advice from. This is true. Cross that bridge when you get there. Craig, where can people learn more about you? The best place to to learn more about me would be the uh, dadadviceproject.com. You can also check out the Instagram handle, dadadviceproject. 
And for those who want to buy the book, the, the easiest way to do it is through Amazon. Go to Amazon, look up Dad Advice Project, and uh, you can't miss it. It's a royal blue cover with a picture of a dad holding his two kids' hands. Go to Amazon to buy the book. By the way, uh, if you buy the book, I've got a gift for you. If you email a picture of your receipt to gift at dadadviceproject.com, we're going to send something pretty special your way. I had 30 of the 42 authors at my house uh, a couple of weeks ago to meet one another for the first time. And I have to tell you, it's a night I will never forget. One of the best parts about it was that we filmed behind the scenes footage where all of these dads looked straight into the camera and gave advice on how to be a good dad. So again, if you take a picture of your receipt, or better yet, you leave a review on Amazon, take a picture of it, send it to gift at dadadviceproject.com, you will get a chance to see some of that behind the scenes footage. Yeah, I love it. And it's it's the dadadviceproject.com. Although if you just type in dadadviceproject.com, it redirects there. And the Instagram handle was dadadviceproject.com. Dot com and um, you know when you hit his website you have the ability to get on his newsletters which that way he can stay in touch with you and keep sharing advice over the long run so I would I would strongly encourage it Jeff I, I really appreciate you having me on this has been a lot of fun for those listening Jeff and I go way back we've known each other probably since diapers and uh, to be a part of the one thing podcast is it's it's really an honor for me so thank you my pleasure man Well, there you have it, my conversation with Craig Kessler. I did make a promise to you, which is if you stuck around till the end of the episode, you would get to hear my daughter. And here is what Daphne had to say the first time we had her stand up on a chair and she stood tall and very publicly said what she was grateful for. I am great. Okay, my name is Daphne and I'm Amy and Jeff's daughter. (laughs) And what I am grateful for is... My family, my life, my mommy, my daddy, my brother. I'm especially grateful for my mommy because I would not be here without mommy. (laughs) So, and I'm also grateful for my titties. And I'm grateful for I got to see a baby fox on my mommy. No, please. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. Craig, if you're listening to this, thanks so much for the recommendation, man. This has been something we've done every night since, and it's been absolutely awesome for the kids and for my wife, Amy. What really inspires me is that while he's gone on to have an awesome career so far, he's refused to thrive professionally at the expense of his personal relationships, at the expense of being a great husband, a great father. And ask the question, how do I begin to integrate them? How do I integrate these parts of my life so that I can thrive professionally and I can thrive personally? And I have a tremendous amount of respect for the fact that he didn't try to figure it out on his own. He reached out to the people that he respected. And what's come from that is extraordinary. I personally got my copy of the book. And if you are a parent, whether you are a father or a mother, I hope that you will pick up a copy as well. I personally love the idea of being purposeful in creating a safe environment with your kids because we all know we don't want them going to their friends when they need guidance. They're not necessarily qualified to give it. We want them to come to us. Yet how do you create that environment? I love the idea of keeping the door open, not shutting the door to your professional life, but integrating your kids in 
what you do. Many of you have seen Daphne on a training when we've done it inside a company or for the membership calls for living your one thing. You see her pop on screen and talk about what her one thing is. We all have an opportunity to invest our focus in the relationships that matter most. And we hope that this will serve you. Again, you can head on over to dadadviceproject.com or you can get the book on Amazon, The Dad Advice Project. And if you do take a copy of the receipt or your review on Amazon and email it to gift at dadadviceproject.com, Craig will send you the videos of 30 of the 42 people who submitted their advice with tactical things you can do to be a better parent. If this episode has brought value to you, please think of a person you know that needs to hear this. It would mean the world if you would share it. And if you are new to the show, click the subscribe button. This allows all future episodes to automatically be downloaded to your device of choice so you won't miss a thing. And while you're at it, please consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player. Not only does it help us reach more people, it helps us live our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.